Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rowan and the Wasteland, where we discuss a film and honor its place amongst its peers. My name is Rowan Wood, and joining me, as always, he is what they say he is. He's the Wasteland. It's Shane Kanto, ladies and gentlemen. I'm alive. <laughs> and that's the best you're going to get. <laughs> um so yeah today we are going to talk about the wolfman not the uh, not not the 1941 film uh the classic starring lon cheney and bella lugosi uh and to a lesser extent claude rains no we are going to talk about the 2010 film um starring benicio del toro anthony hopkins and hugo weaving among others um but i feel like we can't properly discuss this movie without at least briefly discussing the 1941 film, which I watched in preparation for this one as well. Um, so, Shane, what are, what are your basic thoughts on the 1941 Wolfman? I think, like, obviously Frankenstein and Dracula probably get the most attention out of those early universal horror films. But I think the Wolfman's pretty darn good. Like, I enjoy it quite a bit. I think Lon Chaney Jr., is a very empathetic and, you know, solid leading man in that film. You care about him and the makeup and prosthetics and all the, you know, hair, fur. It's great. Like the look to the Wolfman is fantastic. It's iconic. I'm a huge fan of Claude Rains and a little bit of Claude Rains in anything is great. And I think he does a great job as his, as the main character's father and you know it's probably like an hour and 15 minutes or so it's nice it's breezy it knows what it is gets to it and throws a little hard your way mm-hmm. yeah um so i watched the wolfman for the first time uh this past week i'm going to say i didn't necessarily love it because I do think it's just a little dated and not to say that a film being dated brings down its quality, but I do think that it, um, it suffers from a low budget like many of the universal horror films did in that, uh, you know, not to sound like a Gen Z or, or, you know, or anything like that, but we see the Wolfman for maybe about two minutes in its, like in his entirety in the entire film. Uh, and, I feel like for a movie called The Wolfman, then it should have been just a little bit different than that. It is very different in this remake, and we'll get to that. Yes. Um, but the original, I I, I just think it, it has some really good ideas. And I think, weirdly enough, I l- like the first half a lot more than the second half, which is like which is all set up talking about the curse and the gypsies and like the mark of the wolf for, you know, whatever. Um, and... I honestly think that that like that's much more interesting than when the Wolfman actually comes along. And I don't really know what that says about the movie. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I didn't necessarily love it. Um, I, I can recognize its status as a classic and I did enjoy it. I just didn't, I just don't have the, uh, the, the nostalgia or the love that I know a lot of uh, film and horror fans do. Which, and which is interesting because you mentioned dated mm-hmm. and also as a millennial, I would like to say that I do not, <laughs> condone any gen z opinions that i cannot <laughs> speak to them um it's like another piece where it's dated is just like and i'm surprised that they leaned into this in the newer one too it's just like you know at some point with the whole gypsy thing and gypsy curses and stuff like that it's just like 
probably something not to lean too heavily into. Um, something you would expect from a movie made in the 40s. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's... Uh, movies were, were, I mean, obviously... You know, I'm not saying anything new, but movies were very different back then. They were made very differently. And I I think like that Wolfman is just a reflection of the, um, you know, the horror aesthetic back then, just as the 2010 Wolfman is reflect is a perfect reflection of like 2000s horror and how dark and gritty it was and how sort of uh, violent for violent for the sake of violence it was like unbelievably (laughs) gory out of nowhere. Oh, what just happened? (laughs) Um, yeah, but I think that that is the perfect segue. So later on in the show, we will talk about our favorite horror remakes, uh, creature features, and our top five from 2010. Um, but for now, uh, let us talk about The Wolfman, directed by Joe Johnston, who sure loves his period pieces. Um, mm-hmm. take, t- taking place uh, in the 1890s in, uh, I believe this is England, right? Um, because I know uh, Benicio Del Toro's character, Lawrence Talbot, uh, he is English. But he went over to America at a young age, I assume, and that's why he has an American accent. Um, that is just one of the many things that they don't care to explain or elaborate on uh, in this film that is only an hour, 40 minutes. But somehow it it feels like there's a lot missing. So speaking of Benicio Del Toro, I find it so interesting that he's playing an Englishman in this. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, there's no explanation or anything for this. Yeah. But, but he looks shockingly similar to um, Lon Chaney Jr. At, like, I was watching it, and I'm like, actually has that, like, tall, like, that darker kind of look to him. And I'm just like, huh, he actually does kind of fit the part. But I don't know if they're going to explain why Benicio Del Toro is Anthony Hopkins' son in this. But here's the thing. They didn't have to explain why Anthony Hopkins was a Spaniard or a Mexican in Zorro. So <laughs> who's to question this either? So right. I, I mean, hell, Emma Stone played a half Asian woman in Aloha. So uh, uh, who who knows uh, where, you know, who knows who can play what? And we are not necessarily qualified to speak on that. Uh, but pointing it out is always very interesting. It is interesting, but you know, Benicio del Toro is a very talented actor, and I liked him in this. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought he was fine. Uh, I mean, he's. I don't love relegating actors to a certain thing, but I think he's doing his thing here, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think his thing really works for the character, um, who uh, returns to his parents to his father's estate after his brother is mysteriously killed um, by. They, they don't even bother not showing it. I mean, they show a werewolf at the very beginning of this movie. Yeah. Um, right they're, the they're, they're not playing the whole paranoia thing. Like, is it real or is it all in his head? No, they are no. going full forward, full werewolf right at the start, which oh. I can respect. I mean, for a movie called The Wolfman, there is a lot of The Wolfman. So I'm not going to. We know there's a wolfman here. Exactly. People in the movie, maybe not, but we sure yeah. know. <laughs> um. And uh, so one of the first things I noticed is uh, the character of Gwen uh, is is introduced um, at the very beginning of the film here. Uh, and she's played by Emily Blunt in this one. Um, and 
so in the original film, Gwen is first spotted as Lawrence looks through a telescope and decides to watch Gwen uh, not necessarily undress because there was still the, there was still a code for films back then, um, but watching her through a telescope in her room. Uh, and this movie uh, makes it slightly less weird by making Gwen um, Lawrence's brother's widow. And so that is how they um, they sort of push the two characters together. Only weird in its own sense. Exactly. It's like um, <gasps> it's a different level of murdered. uncomfortable. Ooh, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, t- to be fair, that happens in more movies than one might think, and it's it, it's it's one of many tropes that this movie uses that is just a little bit too weird to continue to be used, and yet movies will keep on using these for as long as they possibly can. Yeah, um, I honestly, believe the two of them is probably the least interesting part of this movie. I agree. Yeah. Um, the so at least in the original Wolfman, um, the love story wasn't a focal point. Here, they're not sure what they want it to be, whether they want it to be a focal point or not. The script doesn't commit to anything. That is what I will say. The script. Uh, is not sure whether it wants to focus on by the way we're going to spoil the movie in this thing uh in this episode so it's not sure if it wants to focus on um lawrence's relationship with his father although i think that's that's probably the thing that it focuses on the most it's not sure whether it wants to focus on the love story about hugo weaving's hunt for for the werewolf or about like the guys in the town that are uh that are um trying to set traps for the wolf and all that and um yeah i don't know it's just all over the place in uh, you easily could have cut Hugo weaving out of this movie. And I don't think it would have changed too much. It just would have eliminated one of the chase scenes, um, which admittedly was, was pretty cool. Um, But aside from that, yeah, this, there is a lot happening here. And again, not trying to keep comparing it to the 1941 movie, but that was simple. It was extremely simple and right down and like gets right down to the point. And, Another way that this Wolfman, the 2010 one, just reflects, you know, modern horror sensibilities and just modern film sensibilities in general, it feels the need to overcompensate um, as as a remake of a film that didn't have too much. It feels, hey, people are going to be bored if we don't have this much in here. So let's put everything in here. Then people will like it more. I don't get how an hour and 40 minute movie feels so bloated, but it does. Yeah. (laughs) i understand the urge to have a singular focal point antagonist so like instead of like the whole town chasing him i get the whole idea of like we have this one hunter the the, uh the javert figure yeah yeah but like did you really need that Mm -hmm. it is hugo weaving so that's pretty cool yeah and like this just feel like gwen feels like such an afterthought from like a depth perspective, but then there's whole stretches of this movie where it's just like, my God, I don't want to be here right now. Where's the limbs fly? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and when 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 you want to go back to a scene of like such extreme violence, you know that the movie is it's almost it's not glorifying the violence, but it is it is you know trying to make it enticing to the audience to see because you know th- this is a very r-rated movie and they show a lot but they also don't show a lot and i think they're trying to make it 
I I hate the word titillating, but that is what's coming to mind right now. It's sort of teasing you with uh-huh. with this with this like horrific violence, not showing you everything, but showing you just enough to sort of make you wince a little bit. Um, and and that just felt weird to me at a lot of points, especially like when it goes to from from being you know maybe just a little scary to just being super violent, and it yeah. it, 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 it it just feels almost needless. Like, I think the attack on, like, the gypsy train... Comes out of nowhere. Yeah, there's parts where it's just like, what? Because, like, (laughs) I don't think I looked at the rating before I started watching this. And I'm just like, did he just lose a head? (laughs) Limb? Fly? Okay. Okay, this is the kind of movie we're watching. (laughs) Just, like, limbs flying. I'm just like, oh my. Yeah. It's um, it ends up being pretty well. Honestly, it only gets crazier because the attack on the gypsy camp. Sure, it comes out of nowhere, and then fast forward like an at like a little over an hour. Ooh, now Anthony Hopkins is a werewolf, and there's a werewolf fight going on. Didn't expect that. <laughs> so this this might be unpopular because like I generally I saw this and not get good reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, but like. I liked the twist of like, my God, mm. the dad was a werewolf. He's one sick mother effort. Yeah. <laughs> like been keeping this secret to his family the whole entire time. Ships his son off. And Anthony Hopkins just delectably just lops up every bit of scenery in this movie. Yeah. He is and having so much fun. Yeah. And um, I'm having so much fun watching him have so much fun. Yeah, it's not not an unpopular opinion uh, at all. I I definitely saw it coming, but I really liked it. I you know I thought that it injected just a little bit of life into this movie, um, and uh, and 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 made it like actually kind of fun to watch. Um, but I couldn't get on board with the scene where he reveals that he was the werewolf that's been terrorizing them the whole time because so Benicio del Toro was chained to a bed in the asylum and Anthony Hopkins just is standing and saying everything. He's just speaking like it's, it's, it's just such a bland, like exposition driven scene. And I wish they would have done it just a little bit more dynamically. But then again, you know, like beggars can't be choosers. But still, I thought that it could have been done just a little better. They're probably like, well, we have Anthony Hopkins. He can make it interesting. And And honestly, he does his best. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, let's overshadow lazy writing with Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. And um, why did he kill the mother? Did we ever, like, did he just kill her because he was a werewolf? Was that the whole? So I I I think from what it sounded like, the werewolf kind of took over. Interesting. And so, like, they were alluding to, like, they each have separate minds and motivations. Right. And, like, similar to the son, like, it took over because the son was going to abandon him kind of thing. So, like, I don't think Anthony Hopkins consciously murdered his wife, but he sure murdered his wife. Even though he seems, like, so casual about it in the present day when Benicio Del Toro says, you killed my mother. And Anthony Hopkins go, oh, yes, I suppose I did. It just, it's just so, <laughs> so strange. Kurt Russell, Ego the Living Planet, casual. Well, I did put that tumor in her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame I had to put that tumor in her head. 
Oh boy. Do like a do like a like a, a wide zoom on Benicio del Toro. <laughs> um one thing that I did notice is uh that um so much later on when when it's revealed that uh the father is a werewolf and uh, and they're about to have the fight, um I thought it was hilarious when definitely not intended to be but when anthony hopkins was walking towards him like being super intimidating he picks up a chair and just throws it behind him and i mean i I wouldn't be surprised if the chair was cg it just it he throws it like it's nothing and it's so funny because this like little old like 70 year old man just throwing a chair behind him like like it's weightless is so funny to me and he throws it for no reason like there is no reason why he should throw the chair i'm convinced there's some level of camp here (laughs) yeah and like i think it was intentional because that sequence had a dark level of campiness to it because like how couldn't you like we're watching Anthony Hopkins turn into a werewolf and beat the crap out of his son. And, like, yeah. there's moments where he goes full-blown werewolf where Anthony Hopkins is just, like, yeeting Benicio Del Toro across the room and you're just like... <laughs> like, obviously, they had, like, stunt doubles here, but, like, you just see Anthony Hopkins doing these things. And this <laughs> kind of silly. But then when it does cut to him, actually, he's intimidating. Right. And it's in the presence. This is Hannibal Lecter. So, like, yeah, there's some level to that. And I feel like the violence is so over the top in this. There had to be some kind of tongue-in-cheekness about it. For sure. Like, otherwise, you're just like, why is this so ridiculous? Yeah. Yeah, it's... um. Also, the final fight scene. So I know this this predated um, Joe Johnston's Captain America film by a, a couple of years, also starring Hugo Weaving. Yeah. Um, and uh, so the final fight I noticed is shot and edited like a Marvel fight scene. It feels so much like the quick cut, not knowing what the hell's going on, uh, feeling that the Marvel fight scenes, at least, you know, pre Shang-Chi um, gave me. Um, and you know, who knows foreshadowing perhaps. Um, and honestly, I, well, I'm a humongous fan of Captain America, the first mm-hmm. Avenger, Great but money. I do have to say that fist fight between Cap and Red Skull on that ship at the end is like, pow, edit, pow, edit, yeah. pow, edit. And it's just like, Oh God, what are you doing? <laughs> maybe, maybe keep the camera in, 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 in. Uh, one position for a like, couple seconds, Joe. Like I get, you're probably trying to edit over Hugo Weaving doing this action sequence, <laughs> and you're definitely trying to edit over Anthony Hopkins doing this action sequence. Yeah, but like, come on now. But I mean, even when they turn into werewolves, it's the same thing. And guaranteed, that is not. I mean, obviously, that's not Anthony Hopkins in the werewolf skin, though it is Benicio del Toro. Fun fact. Um. I wish. <laughs> And I want to see pic- like I want to see a video of Anthony Hopkins yeah. in that suit acting like a werewolf. You know, if this if this movie had been made a, like a couple years later, it would all be motion capture. Um, yeah, yeah. Which I did appreciate the practical mm-hmm. element yeah. at times, and I have to say, one of the best parts in this movie is when they do have Lawrence Talbot chained up in that like lecture like space Mm -hmm. like that medical lecture space and they're like 
Well, when the full moon comes out, he doesn't turn into a werewolf. I'll prove you all wrong. And he's like, <laughs> turning into one, you're just like, oh my, <laughs> this is coming. And, like, it's not quite on American Werewolf in London transformation, which is impeccable. Yeah. But I still, still thought it was a pretty cool transformation scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was probably the best scene in the movie. Um just because of the, you know, the irony, which is just delicious. And then the escape and the chase scene uh, through the streets of London, which is also a lot of fun. Um, Hugo Weaving's character may not be interesting to me, but to watch him shoot at a werewolf who is like running across the rooftops of, you know, a Victorian era British city is awesome. That is just so cool. And I'm going to completely forget that this is the same exact scene from League of Extraordinary Gentlemen when (laughs) Sean Connery is shooting at Mr. Hyde, but it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Um, (laughs) uh, Another thing, um, as we're getting near to the end of our discussion here, I hated the ending of this movie, like with a burning passion. It it, it almost completely ruined the, the entire movie for me. And I will tell you why. Um, first of all, it starts off with one of my least favorite tropes in movies. Uh, I am so goddamn sick of the guy who turned into a monster doesn't kill the woman that he apparently loves, even with the perfect opportunity, because he's still a monster and he should kill her regardless. It doesn't matter. Anthony Hopkins killed the wife. There should be no exceptions. That's super frustrating. And then he has attacked Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving is uh, not necessarily bleeding out because I think the movie wants us to believe that he is going to become a werewolf. So then uh, Benicio Del Toro dies. He's been shot by uh, a a silver bullet. Emily Blunt is lying there. Hugo Weaving is standing there by the trees, looks up, full moon comes out of the trees, end. This is how you end TV episodes. This is not how you end movies. I understand doing a cliffhanger because maybe you want to do a sequel. Honestly, I don't think they ever intended to make a sequel for, to this movie, even if it ended up like getting great reviews, which uh-huh. would never happen. Um, but this is like a cliffhanger like this and, you know, j- just leaving it so like there is leaving something up to interpretation and there is like letting the audience imagine the end, like having the audience imagine a, a potential final act or a sequel for you trusting the audience is not necessarily the same thing as handing the reins over to the audience and letting them do whatever the hell they want. That's just lazy in my opinion. Um, and, uh, yeah. So the ending, I really, really didn't like. And I think, um, if it had been a little, uh, if it had been better, I honestly think I would have liked this movie more. It's one of those like horror, like those horror movie trope endings mm-hmm. where it's just like, well, gotcha. Yeah. Right at the end, it's like okay, but like it wasn't even a gotcha. I mean, like we, we like we we saw him get bitten, so we were like, okay, well, he's probably going to become a werewolf later on, and that's going to be like the very end. No, it's, they they don't even do that. Well, it's kind of one of those things where it's like you think that you got a settled ending. Nope, pull that rug out from under you. It's like okay, thanks, because I wasn't going to see the sequel to this anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, so the Wolfman, pretty subpar. Uh, if you want a good werewolf movie, uh, check out The Cursed, which came out this year and nobody saw. Um, but Shane and I, I did. Yes. That, yeah. I like that a lot. Honestly. I really like that movie. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, so definitely check out The Cursed if you want a pretty good werewolf movie. And before we move on, uh, I have some uh, pretty fun uh, and interesting trivia from this movie. Um, so there is a scene near the beginning uh, before the gypsy attack where the gypsies have uh, where the gypsies have a bear. Now that bear uh, stands up and uh, and roars when it sees the werewolf. Now that was actually recycled animation from the Golden Compass. They used the same uh, they used the same bear uh, like render and they uh, from the polar bear from Golden Compass and turned it into a grizzly bear with some with some color shading. Oh, that is on, crazy to me. That's some Disney stuff right there. Exactly. But the fact that it could be done like like this with like with like CG modeling and you know melding it with, with live action, I just find that fascinating. Because you um, know, if you ever ever watch Robin Hood and Jungle Book, Blue oh yeah. and was Lil John are like the same thing. And they do all the same dances and stuff. And we're just like, this is so horrible horrible here. <laughs> yeah well at least they were ripping off themselves and at least it wasn't like right in the center of the frame granted you really have to be paying attention and i would never have known that it was recycled no. animation had i not done the research um yeah but uh yeah so it's interesting yeah right uh, this movie is also one of the two werewolf movies to win the academy award for best makeup uh shane can you guess the other one american werewolf in london you got it and they were won by the same guy rick baker uh although rick baker won for uh run one with uh dave elsie for the wolfman um but yeah yeah that was um a solid 30 years beforehand oh american werewolf in london is amazing yeah. like the, the <laughs> makeup and everything in that is that's something else mm-hmm um, that's one uh, that I still need to see. It's still on my list of shame and uh, one that I will for certain get to. You know, I've said this before. A great way to get me to watch a movie is to cover it on the podcast. Um, so who knows? Who knows? Uh, and uh, finally, just a little uh, musical fun fact. I, I always like these. Uh, Talbot's werewolf form is always introduced on the soundtrack by three short notes on a violin, which is only something I would notice if I watched it again. That is like that is not something that I would be thinking about while watching for the first time. But it's a little uh, fun tidbit. Um, yeah. So now moving on to our three uh, countdowns for this episode. Um, let's start with uh, let's start with horror remakes. Uh, our top five uh, remakes of horror films. Um, usually our or rather sometimes our criteria for these categories is, you know, can can be shifted a little bit and can is up to interpretation. But I feel like horror remakes is pretty tried and true. Uh, what say you, Shane? Yeah, because, like, it has to be remade from something. So, there you go. Um, I go first? Mm. Yeah, um, I guess you could, uh, a a way that you could twist it that I didn't think of is, you know, if it is a remake of a horror movie, but it's not a horror movie, or if it is a horror movie that is remade from a non-horror movie. I guess you could sort of Uh, twist it around that way. Yeah. (laughs) Because that's going to be a thing. Um, so my number five is Little Shop of Horrors, as in the one with Rick Moranis and Steve Martin and a ridiculous amount of other, like, small cameos in it, because I know that was originally 
done earlier, but like I just love that movie to pieces. Mm-hmm. I watch that every Halloween season. Um, the 2020 The Invisible Man, because that blew me away. Mm-hmm. That was incredible. And Elizabeth Moss will go down with the long laundry list of great actresses giving unbelievable performances in a horror movie that the Academy completely ignores. Um, number three, Suspiria. My God, Luca Guanino's disturbing remake of that Dario Argento film. Mm-hmm. Number two, The Fly, Cronenberg, showing some Cronenberg love in time for Crimes of the Future. And number one, this was easy for me, The Thing, because 100% it's my number two favorite horror film of all time. So that definitely was going to be it. I love how you said you mentioned Crimes of the Future, which is being released the weekend that we're recording this. Uh, but th- this episode will not be released for at least two months uh, and down the line. Crimes of the past. Exactly. Yes. Um, who knows? Maybe I will have seen Crimes of the Future at that point because it's not playing anywhere near me. Um, Boo. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, nothing, nothing big. Well, rather, nothing small plays near me because I'm on Cape Cod and, you know, the big theaters only like the big stuff and the independent that I work at gets some weird little things that I would never see. But anyway, uh, my list of my top five horror remakes. Uh, my number five is Friday the 13th from 2009. Um, this is a remake that I think is better than the original. Uh, the original is not a great movie. It is an iconic movie, but it is not great. Um, and the original and, and the remake I just think is so much fun. Uh, and, uh, talk about violence for violence, for violence for the sake of violence. Uh, this movie is insanely gory, um, but I kind of love it. Uh, my number four is The Thing. Uh, as Shane said, this is a this is an absolutely fantastic movie. Great cast, great location, uh, and just great uh, aesthetics overall. My number three is The Little Shop of Horrors. I have seen this stage play more times than I can count. Uh, nice. And I've seen both versions of the film once. And this film uh shane have you seen the original the corman one i have not maybe we could cover it on on the podcast one day it, it is very different and it is very very weird um but uh yeah so but the remake i think the remake is far superior not just because of the music um but but just because of rick moranis i think he like he, he is the perfect seymour uh, i don't know anyone else who could do the role better than him um my number two is The Invisible Man. I adore, adore this movie. I made the mistake of watching it for the first time, starting it at like 10.30 p.m. in my house uh, in the pitch black. And then I went to sleep. Oh and um, that is one of the worst nights of sleep I've ever had because just the thought of something that you would never be able to see is, is just so, so terrifying. And it's one of the things that I am most scared of. Um. And my number one is uh, based on one of my favorite Stephen King books is It Chapter One, uh, which is a remake of the 1990 film, uh, sorry, uh, television film uh, of the same name. Uh, Well, not It Chapter One. It's just It. Um, But uh, yeah, I really, really love this movie. Uh, Chapter Two is, of course, inferior, but Chapter One is just so good. It captures that, you know, 80s vibes. It capitalized on you know the the 80s kids uh trend that was you know that 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 stranger things 
kind of kind of kicked off mm-hmm. um and just the cast is so good and it's genuinely scary um i remember uh jumping quite a few times when i saw this for the first time so that is my uh that is my top five for horror remakes there you go uh, next up is Creature Features, our top five. And this is much more uh, interpretive of a category. Yeah. Uh, how, how did you define this one, Shane? I, if it had some kind of creature that wasn't human at the center of the movie, I went with it. And I felt like they, it, I wasn't, never mind. They're, they're all <laughs> regular animals here. But excellent, excellent. They're doing some extraordinary things cool um i did what you did but i skewed more horror because i feel like that is what the term creature features is typically associated with Um, i would say most of mine would be considered horror Mm -hmm. nice nice um so I will kick off with my number five. Uh, my number five is Slither, James Gunn's feature directorial nice. debut. Uh, this is a great movie, and it's one that too few people have seen. Um, it is hilarious. Uh, Michael Rooker's great in it. Nathan Fillion's great in it. Um, so Slither is definitely one to check out. Uh, my number four is The Creature from the Black Lagoon, uh, the original uh, the original film uh, from, oh my god, uh, 1930... Oh my god, I'm going to butcher this, so I'm going to Google it very quickly. 1954. Wow, yeah, that that is one of the later uh, Universal yeah, Monster films. Because, like, that one was actually, like, primarily out, like, on a river and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Oh, yeah. So, like, it was pretty elaborate compared to some of the other ones. Yeah, it's also aged the best, uh, in 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 my opinion. Maybe behind Bride of Frankenstein, but I do think that it's 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 definitely um, maintained its glory uh, in in its age. Uh, my number three is the thing. I will I will count the thing in this category as well. Uh, my number two. Yeah, I didn't think of aliens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my number two is Jaws, uh, you know, with the shark being at the center of it, uh, which is definitely, you know, horror-ish. You know, the monster doesn't have to be supernatural, I suppose. Uh, for a discussion um, by me and Shane about Jaws, go check out Shane's uh, YouTube show. Welcome. To, uh, it's No, it's Lost in the Wasteland, no, it's right? Welcome to the Wasteland. Welcome to the Wasteland. All you got so many Wasteland branding. shows, my friend. <laughs> um yeah, we talked about Jaws in uh, in May of uh, this year. Yeah. And uh, my number one, uh, it was really a toss-up between the first and second films in this franchise, so I went Aliens as my number one creature feature. Um, I know, you know, the creature is much more at the forefront of the first film, but the second film I just think is a better movie, personally. Um, it, it, it's more action-packed, and I think... Um, I just think every single aspect of it is just better made using the lessons that they learned from the first film. So aliens is my number one. So I got King Kong. Cause it's like the original King Kong. Excellent movie. So giant ape was like, well, creature. And my number four, well, if you don't fight the creature, you might do something else to it. The shape of water. I love this movie so much. <laughs> so there's indeed a creature. Um, Sally Hawkins doesn't fight this creature though. And my wife causes cause calls this movie Grinding Nemo. Just for the record. <laughs> That's so good. 
That is genius. Uh, my number three is Tremors because I am one of the biggest Tremors fans you'll ever meet in your life. <laughs> oh my god, I own all of them, even though half of them are straight garbage. But not the first one. Love Tremors. <laughs> number two, Jurassic Park. They are indeed creatures. They're they are dinosaurs. And number one is Jaws. So, I see, I didn't include Aliens, but that is a really good, Mm. a couple of good picks there if we did include Aliens on here. Absolutely. That guy from the meme will be very proud of you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, Did you see uh, Resident Alien, the show? It's on my watch list. I've heard Uh, So that guy from the meme makes a cameo in one of the episodes, and it is so funny. Like I like nobody expected. It. My parents had no idea who that was, and and I was just sitting there like anguishing, like t- like p- like uh, millennials and Gen Zers are going to understand this. Um, yeah, I love it. I love oh it. Oh my god, that's fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah. Next up for our final category is films released in 2010. Also a pretty you know strict category uh, for you know uh, for criteria. Um, Shane, why don't you start us off? So my number five might be a little low for most, The Social Network, which still think is a great film mm-hmm. um, by Fincher. Number four, got some Scorsese on here with Shutter Island. I'm a huge fan of that movie. Nice. I love Shutter Island. Number three, one of, the, one of the most disturbing movie watching experiences I've ever had, Black Swan. Oh, wow. Darren Aronofsky. And Natalie Portman's so amazing in this. Uh, number two, Inception. Because Nolan out nolan himself with this. <laughs> and I don't think he'll ever more Nolan this than Inception. He tried with Tenet. And number one is True Grit. And the Coen Brothers fan in me and the Western fan in me saw such a perfect adaptation of this book. I absolutely love it. Very nice, very nice. Um, True Grit and Black Swan are two films that I have yet to see, um, but I will definitely, I'll definitely bump them up the list uh, after hearing your recommendations here. Uh, my list uh, number five is Tucker and Dale versus Evil, uh, <laughs> one of the uh, funniest horror movies, uh, horror leaning movies, I guess that I've ever seen. Um, Shane, I take it from the cackle that you have seen it as. as well. I love Tucker and Dale. It's so good. Oh my god. Alan- and, Tudic is a gem. It's not just like it, it's not just good because it's it's funny. It is genuinely very well written and very clever. Yes. And I don't think it gets enough credit for that. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, def, def, definitely check out Tucker and Dale uh, versus Evil if you have a spare ninety minutes. Uh, number four is Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part One. Uh, I have been very vocal about my love of the harry potter series um and uh yeah so deathly hallows part one is nowhere near the best that the series has to offer but i still love it so much there's some great character work going on that was definitely in my head is an honorable mention yeah um and uh my number three is inception just a gorgeous movie top to bottom and as you said definitely the most christopher nolan uh movie out there um and uh, my number two is The Social Network, 
uh, excellent, excellent film full of excellent performances and excellent direction. And my number one is Shutter Island. Uh, I was genuinely surprised about this uh, when, when I went to uh, to the list that I made a, like a while ago. I was kind of surprised that Shutter Island was my number one. But yes, I guess I do love it that much. Um, there you go. I can't say so I knew that there was a twist. My cousin had told me before I saw this that this is the best twist in any movie he's ever seen. And that set a really high bar for me. <laughs> um but I, honestly, it paid off. I love this movie. This movie is just so stellar and so fantastic. I one of the, the last line of dialogue that Leo has in this movie is one of my favorite lines in all of movies really and the reaction that mark ruffalo has to it is priceless <laughs> and it's just like oh my god yeah. and i have a friend from college who is still convinced that it was all a government conspiracy interesting interesting because generally, I only think there's two options here, but he still is convinced of that third option. Right. <laughs> that the government was conspiring against him. Well, hey, if we ever do Shutter Island, maybe we'll have to get your friend on so he can uh, explain his reasoning. <laughs> Gotta find George out there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> since college. But I'll always remember his very, very passionate explanation of why it's a government conspiracy i love it i love it um before we uh before we wrap up uh shane do you have any honorable mentions for your favorites of 2010 this was a like (laughs) i'm gonna be that guy i really enjoy the king's speech like i think it's a really nice film and like i feel like that's something that just gets tons of hate Mm because it's like how dare it beat the social network and stuff like that. Um, Buried came out that year, Ooh. which is a great little thriller. The town, Ben Affleck doing some great work. Um, God, um, uh, winter's bone is one of the most depressing movies I've ever seen. Um, I was very close to throwing Taika Waititi's film boy on here. Because I love it. Um, I do have to throw out one. Oh, and The Fighter. I really enjoy The Fighter as well. Oh, Insidious came out in 2010 too. Interesting. <laughs> uh, one film that I do have to say I want to have on my watch. I do have on my watch list is Rubber. Mm. Killer Tire. On my watch list as well. I'm sure we'll get it to. I, I'm sure we'll get to it at some point. Oh, um, dang. That's definitely going to be on the podcast then. <laughs> Because that would be for both of us. Yeah. Uh, that but, is going to be a fun. I feel like that's an episode we would want to have a guest on for. That yeah, seems I, like one where we want to have a, like a like a big, well-rounded discussion. <laughs> I, that would be a fun one. But it seems like a lot. Oh, my God. Mega Piranha. Mega Shark versus Croxaurus. Holy shit. Uh, <laughs> shark. Sharktopus all came out in 2010. We're back in Velocipaster land, my friend. <laughs> oh, man. And it was still early on in the MCU because it was Iron Man 2 that came mm, out. Yeah. Uh, not great. a great movie. Not a great movie. No. Not um, great. 
I want to throw out uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah, How to Train Your Dragon came out in 2010 as well. Uh, Tangled, I will admit, I always have a soft spot for Tangled. A genuinely, genuinely great movie. Um, Same goes for me for Despicable Me. I love the first Despicable Me. I think it's it's hilarious. I love the first one, and I love, for me, I even love the second one a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. El Macho is my kind of villain. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But 2010 was a good year. Yeah. For a lot of film. I'm 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 still convinced that we are living in a golden age of uh, of, of 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 film, uh, especially uh, horror. In the last like in the last ten years, we have been living. Notice how it's ten, which just edges out the Wolfman, uh, so it it so it doesn't count. Sorry. <laughs> um. Yeah. But uh. I. I. You know. We are living in. Um. Yeah. We're living in a golden age of of horror where you know cre- the the most creative minds are giving like the opportunity to really tell the stories that they want to tell. Um, and I am for one, so glad that I'm, li- uh, that I'm growing up uh, in this time when uh, basically any story can be told uh, and not like nothing is off limits. And I think that's just great. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, what is, uh, what is next week's homework for our listeners, Shane? So we are going to be watching shadow of a doubt from Alfred Hitchcock. Hell yeah. Uh, this is not my first Hitch- uh, Hitchcock, um, but I but hopefully will be a gateway to watching some of his films uh, that are considered to be among the best that I have not yet seen. So I am very excited to watch Shadow of a Doubt. Um, yeah, so thank you all out there for listening. Uh, do you agree with our opinions on The Wolfman? Uh, please say you do, because actually I would love to to discuss this with someone who who really loves this movie i follow someone on letterboxd who gave who gave this five stars and i would really really love to discuss it with that person Um, i'm interested to hear if that's their level of fun yeah yeah right (laughs) where like where does that five stars really come from um but uh yeah so uh shane where would you like to direct our listeners the wasteland review youtube channel my Instagram, my Twitter, my TikTok, my letterbox, and you could also check out all of my lovely work at Sif Pop, which is a lot of articles. And then on top of that, you could take a look at Scribe Magazine, where I'm doing a whole bunch of stuff, including their Scribe podcast with my Wasteland Collide shows, and also all of my lovely videos on their YouTube channel, including my latest, which is Why I Love Al Pacino. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, as for me, uh, please keep going to the leniencritic.com. That's L E N I E N T, the lenient critic. Uh, and as of now, as of recording, uh, I'm going to be moving into a more editorial position at the invention of dreams. Um, so y'all should go check that out. That's the invention of dreams.com. I'm very excited. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, to be doing, uh, a lot of stuff there. Um, and thank you all for listening to this episode or watching if you're seeing it on YouTube. We really, really appreciate all the attention. Give us a like. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Everything, everything helps. And uh, we'll, we, 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 blah, 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 blah. we will be back next week to discuss Alfred Hitchcock's Shadow of a Doubt. Thank you for joining me, Shane, as always. 
thank you for having me. And I'm glad to be alive and here to talk about movies because COVID. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> and uh, hopefully Shane uh, will feel a little better uh, next week. Um, and so thank you all once again for tuning in. And we will see you next week. 